Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week, I have a very tender question. It goes like this. Last May, I had an abortion. At the time, the pregnancy felt very unexpected. I think I bought into the myth that fertility takes a huge drop after 30 and had additionally been told by my women's care doctor that I have very low fertility. My partner and I weren't as careful as we should have been. It was a very painful experience. Even though I'm in no place financially to mother a child right now, I might have considered it if I had a partner who wanted to. He was supportive throughout the whole decision-making process, and I'm grateful that he stood by me throughout the whole thing, but I knew in my gut that he wasn't ready to be a father and maybe never will. So I ultimately decided to terminate the pregnancy, and I felt confident at the time that this was the best decision. The emotional fallout of that event has taken months to process, and I've just recently started to feel stable again. The length and severity of my post-abortion feels was unexpected because I went into it so confident that I was making the best decision. Through self-care practices and some astrology, I've worked my way back into a relatively stable mental health situation, but recently I've started to feel some type of way about the whole thing. I can't quite pinpoint the emotion, but some of it feels like regret. Some of it feels like maybe I'm going to spend eternity in hell for killing a newborn in cold blood. Hashtag raise Catholic. Anyway, I just want to know if there's any astrological words of wisdom to those of us who have been through an abortion or just regular words of advice would be great. So I'm going to answer this question, but before I do, I want to acknowledge that many people aren't very pro-abortion, aka they're very anti-abortion. People have religious or they have spiritual, or they have, I don't know, what other kinds of ideas about why people shouldn't have abortions. And you know what? That's okay. I actually really believe that we are all entitled to have our own truth and our own perspective. What I draw the line at is if you don't agree with the notion of having an abortion, simply don't have an abortion. I am very pro-free will. And I'm very pro a woman making a choice about what her life is going to be and what she's going to do with her body. I want to preface everything I'm about to say with an acknowledgement and respect that everyone has their own truth. However, when you insist that your truth should be somebody else's truth and you deny them the right to live life in a way that works for their situation, circumstances, and their reality, that's when I say that's some bullshit. I believe that's some bullshit. And so I want to really encourage you, if you feel really offended by the concept of a woman having an abortion and you want to think about it and you want to explore it, listen to this episode of the podcast. If not, that's cool. We can disagree. You're going to hate this episode. Why don't you go and listen to an old one and come back again next week? All right, my friends. All right. So there's a flaw in your question, which is you say that you killed a newborn in cold blood. And I know that this is a feeling that you're struggling with it, not actually a belief, but a newborn is a baby human that's been born. That's what a newborn is. If you had an abortion, what you did was you terminated a pregnancy with a fetus. Now, where does life begin? I don't know. I don't know. Are the cells that become a human a human already? 
I can make an argument for yes or for no. I am still pro-choice. There's so many layers to your question. And the first one is that when a person has a pregnancy and terminates that pregnancy or has a miscarriage, what happens is the body gives out all these pregnancy hormones. They make you feel all kinds of ways. And so what you're experiencing is not uncommon for somebody who had pregnancy hormones in their body. And I think it's really important that you hear that and that I acknowledge that that is outside of my expertise. However, if you haven't already done research, if you haven't already consulted a healthcare professional about this, I would encourage you to because it may be simply very validating for you to hear that, you know, feeling really destabilized is actually in part physiological. It's in part about your hormones and the influx of hormones in your body and that it would take many months to cycle out of your body is normal. And I, I want to just say again, that is outside of my expertise, but it is worth acknowledging. Now, if you were raised Catholic I am inferring that what that means is you were raised with this idea that you're going to hell, which I don't believe that hell exists, but that you're going to hell for doing this thing that is a sin, which is terminating a pregnancy. And if there's a part of you that believes that, I don't want to contradict that belief because, you know, again, you are entitled to believe whatever you want to believe. But since you're asking me, a, I don't believe in hell. I talk to people who are in spirit, aka dead, and I've never met anyone who is in a physical location. I never met anyone who is being tortured. Torture is what we do here on earth, okay? We don't do it in spirit because to torture another, to be punished, is I can punish you, I can torture me. But the reality of it is, is when we are in spirit, we are no longer in a state of separation. And so when we are no longer in a state of separation, Punishing you is punishing me. There's no separation between me and you. And this may be a little bit of a spiritual woo-woo sidebar. For me, the idea of hell and the idea of heaven is humans trying to make sense of something that is truly unknowable and that makes us have a sense of obedience and morality. I like to encourage people to have a sense of morality that is netted in how they want to be treated and what they believe. And this brings us to something very core in you that I think that this abortion has triggered, which is you don't know what you believe. You don't know what your spiritual beliefs and convictions are. You have a North Node in Taurus, and that is a primary thing that it brings struggle around is figuring out throughout the course of your lifetime what you value and what you believe. And when we go through something major like a death, or a loss as deep as an abortion can be for some people, it triggers the sense of what's really true. Did I just damn myself? Or did I do what I thought was right? And it was right. To a certain extent, you don't get to know until you find out, right? If, you, if you're concerned about hell, well, you'll find out when you don't get there or when you do get there, right? And I don't mean to be flippant about that, but again, I don't believe in hell, so it's a little easy for me to be somewhat flippant about it. That said, I want to really validate for you that you made the right choice. You made the right choice. You knew it at the time and you made the right choice. Not only you mentioned your finances, that you're not financially ready to parent. And let's not pretend that it's easy to parent with money. It is not easy to parent with money, but without money, it is really hard. But it's also that you have a stellium in Aquarius. You have four planets sitting right on top of each other in Aquarius. You are an intensely independent 
person. Making compromises is not always the easiest or most chill thing for you. So you really need, if you're going to co-parent with someone, somebody who will do a great deal of the stay-at-home stuff. I think that you need somebody who is 60% parenting with you instead of 20%, like your current partner, if you're still with him, is. There are a lot of components to this, but I want to tell you that you, from my perspective as an astrologer, did make the best decision in front of you. There's this part of you that wants to let fate decide, that wants to let things happen to you, and then you react. But the truth is you need autonomy and freedom. You need these things in order to thrive and live your best life and be your best self. And so when you don't choose things, when you feel trapped, the best parts of your nature do not emerge, right? You are not at your happiest. You are not at your absolute best. And so if you're going to choose to do something like parenting, which requires a massive amount of compromise and self-sacrifice and a real solid minimum of 18 years of putting your needs in many ways second to the needs of the child, then you really want to come from a place of intention. You want to come from as much as possible a place of, I know I'm choosing this because this is the right time for me and I have the support set up. Because if you don't, you're just likely to feel quite itchy. And none of this is about your capacity to be a good parent at all. It's about how you do it. And I really do believe that parenting has so much to do with how we as adults move forward in our lives and what that models for the children in our lives. The feelings that you're having that are like regret do not seem to me either from your question or from your birth chart, like they are regret because you want to be parenting. They are regret because you fear that you made a terrible moralistic mistake. And that's a different thing. Over the years, I've counseled countless people who have had abortions and who have miscarried. And I'm going to kind of smoosh them together in this way because it is the loss of a pregnancy. Sometimes it's incredibly tragic thing. It, en it ends up feeling like a death. And sometimes it doesn't. It's like an unpleasant, difficult thing, but it is just an unpleasant and difficult thing. For you, because of the intensity of your emotions and how unpleasant and scary these questions and emotions are, it's hard for you to gauge whether or not this regret you're feeling is really about a child. I don't get the sense that it is that doesn't make you a selfish or a bad person. It makes this really scary. And on top of it, it's really taboo. People don't talk about this. And when they do, there's always somebody willing to scream at you and tell you you're wrong. Part of parenting is knowing what you can't offer your child. And I believe that it is a responsible choice to know as an adult what your limitations are and what you can and cannot offer a child. If it is one of your life goals to have a child, it is absolutely possible that this soul could come through at a different time. It is absolutely possible that you will decide not to parent because you don't want to, because you don't feel that you're equipped to. Either is equally valid. You don't have to want a baby. Biology is not destiny. You don't have to want a baby even if you have a loving partner and enough money to have a baby. And you get pregnant. You do not need to do what your body clicks into. If you get a cavity in your tooth, we all agree you can go to the dentist and you can have a dentist drill and fix and now you got a filling instead of a cavity. We use medicine so that we can improve our lives. 
And there is the issue of the soul and the question of morality around pregnancy in a way that there isn't around dental health, as an example. But at the end of the day, it is your body and your body performed a function and you have choices around how you want to live your life. I do not believe in any way, shape or form that you are obliged to parent a child. Unless, of course, you brought that child into this life. You bring a child into this life, that's a different conversation. You did not bring a child into this life. So now we're really only talking about your spiritual values. I cannot tell you what to believe, but I can tell you that you have choices to make. And one of the choices that I want to encourage you to make is to be willing to stay present with the feelings that you're having of regret of maybe shame. What I get the sense that you've been doing is trying to self-care all around the center of this pain instead of really sitting with this pain. And if you can sit with this pain, again, it doesn't seem like over the loss of the child. It seems like over a fear that you've done something unforgivable. If you can sit with that, you can start to unpack whether or not it's yours or it's from your childhood, it's from the church whether or not it's yours or it's simply terror and fear. You can only really unpack it and put it away when you understand what it is. And I really encourage you to do that. I encourage you to come to your own conclusions because there's always going to be somebody telling you how to feel about abortion. There's always going to be somebody telling you how to feel about whether or not you should parent. In your question to me, you don't say, I am ambiguous about whether or not I want to parent. But I look at your birth chart and I think you're ambiguous about whether or not you want to parent, whether or not you want to procreate. And that's something that in our culture, we really don't, well, I would say most all cultures, we really don't talk about. But there is nothing wrong, nothing wrong with saying to yourself and to the world and in your actions, I don't want to parent, I don't want to procreate, even if you're fertile. I want to encourage you to explore whether or not you believe that to be true, whether you cognitively believe it to be true, and whether you emotionally believe it to be true. Because the truth is more than just a thought. It's also a feeling. I might think a thing is true, but if my feelings aren't in concert with that thought, then there's not going to be peace. And I think that's really at core what your struggle is at this time. A lack of concert between your feelings and your thoughts and unpacking childhood trauma or religious trauma it makes sense right now. It makes sense, especially because Uranus is quickly approaching your natal north node. And so what you believe and what you value is going to be challenged over the course of this upcoming year. You're going to have to confront upsets that force you to question what you believe and what you value. And as unpleasant as that might be, this is what you need, my friend. It's what you need so that you can have a greater sense of ownership of what you're choosing to do in this life and who you're choosing to do it with. And if you can bring a measure of interest and inquiry into these feelings you're having, then you're going to have peace sooner. I should also mention that because in your birth chart, you have Neptune and Uranus in the fifth house where we find your hormonal health, that you tend to be really sensitive to hormonal fluctuations. Anyways, my guess is around your menstrual cycle, you have inconsistent and intense symptoms. 
So different kinds of symptoms at different times. Generally speaking, when we have Uranus in the fifth house for people who menstruate, ovulation is erratic. So it's not uncommon for people with Uranus in the fifth house who have the kind of sex that can lead to procreation to have unplanned pregnancies because Uranus gives uh, erratic ovulation. And Neptune in the fifth house tends to give us the inclination to not use condoms or to not have safer sex. And that is because we have lessons to learn with boundaries around our sexual behavior. And so a really common way that people learn that is by not using condoms and dealing with unintended consequences of that. So, you know, all of this is in your chart. And that means that there are lessons to learn here. There is one way of looking at conception and pregnancy, which is deeply spiritual. It is one soul bringing another soul into life. And there's another way of looking at it, which is simply sperm meets egg, (laughs) cells come together, and somehow you've got like a little grow a monkey inside your body. It's very mechanical. It's very physiological. And they're both true, right? They're both true. I don't think I'm encouraging you to pick and choose which is more true. I think it's complicated and it's messy and some of it is unknowable. It's simply unknowable. And you are allowed to decide what you believe and what truth you're going to honor in this lifetime. And I encourage you to have compassion for yourself around the messiness of that and the fears you have around it. And I don't think you're going to hell. I don't think you've done anything wrong. And I think that you simply are in a really painful place with it, but there is work to be done and there's peace that you can cultivate for yourself by staying with that work. All right, my dear, I wish you the very best with this and keep on taking care of yourself. And for everyone listening, if you would like to support a woman's right to choose and support a woman's right to have access to low-cost medical care, please consider supporting Planned Parenthood. And you can make a contribution now to protect women's health and rights to choose by going to plannedparenthood.org slash online actions. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for that. Another organization that you can support is the ACLU. They are working every day to stop attacks on reproductive freedom. They do this through legal action, through working through the governmental and legal systems that we have. Again, I'm going to have links to where you can go ahead and support them, but make a monthly contribution, make a one-time contribution, but it kind of feels nice to put your money where your mouth is. It's astrology time again. Welcome back. So this week, there's a lot going on and there is a lot to get to. So I'm going to just jump right into it. We're looking at the week of March 31st through April the 6th, 2019. As you know, Mercury is no longer retrograde. However, it has been in its shadow period and that will be over on April 2nd. In this whole period, really since March 23rd, Mercury has been conjunct to Neptune. It was exact on the 24th, and it will be exact again on the 2nd, the same day that the shadow period ends. Mercury conjunction to Neptune is anxiety-provoking. So if you've been feeling off and anxious and uncertain, and just like something is just not quite in your grasp of understanding, this is why. This particular transit makes it hard to figure out what is the right thing to focus on, how to focus on it. So for many of you, it will have been experienced as simply straight up anxiety, just whatever your regular anxiety is, except for the volumes turned all the way up on it. 
for many other people, it will be about being confused or uncertain about things that you were at one point quite certain about or quite clear about. This transit makes us question things. And that's actually a really great thing to question our assumptions, to question our attitudes, to question our own actions and the actions of others. All this stuff is great. The problem is Neptune doesn't give us a clear point of inquiry. Because if what's happening is you just feel really off and you feel unsettled and there isn't a strong, clear reason, then it might be that, you know, you're being sensitive to the world around you. It might be that you are simply needing to be a little more self-protective and a little bit more nourishing to yourself. When we have Neptune active, we have the impulse to starve ourselves. We have the impulse to deny ourselves. And what we really need to do is nourish ourselves. I want to encourage you as much as possible up until the second and maybe the third, right right around there. I want to encourage you to be gentle with your process. Okay. I want to encourage you to caretake whatever anxious thoughts and feelings you're having with great intention. And that intention may simply be keep it simple, right? Keep it simple, stay present. If I'm feeling anxious, it's the damn transit. I'm going to take care of myself around it. I'm going to simplify my life or my days over this period. And then I'm going to figure out what it all means and what to do about it after the transit passes. And the good news is we do have a new moon in Aries, 1.50 a.m. Pacific time, and that's on April 5th. And so this transit, this Mercury-Neptune transit that is so awful and upsetting and anxiety-provoking is going to give way to this really energizing new moon in Aries. And to remind listeners, a new moon occurs when the sun and moon are at the exact same degree of the exact same sign. And there's generally, you know, one new moon per sign per year. Here we have the moon and sun meeting in the sign of Aries at 15 degrees and 17 minutes. Um, So it's right smack dab in the middle of Aries. This new moon is incredibly fertile. It really is. This is a great time for planting seeds and setting intention. So related to the, the other trends that I'm telling you about, it's going to bring about some kind of clarity or some sort of energizing that we really need. So be patient, up until the fifth. Be patient with your process because your process is your process. And when we look at things astrologically, we have the gift, we have the ability to be able to go really big and see the larger interconnectedness of all of these things. So not having certainty, muddling through your assumptions and your projections and your anxieties can give way to a more compassionate and empathetic and humane set of intentions. That's the potential here. Of course, there's negative potential too. You can just feel off and terrible and then impulsively jump to action as soon as the energy shifts. But my hope for you is that you simply use this period to better inform yourself about both your internal process, but also what it is like to suffer and what it is like to shift and to reframe your feelings and thoughts about yourself and others. So I'm going to give you some new moon homework, but I do encourage you to go and check out my weekly horoscope. It drops on Wednesdays. It will have more on the new moon and kind of ideas about what to do with the new moon. But what I want to do is I want to give you the homework to really think about what you want. Aries is all about wants. It's all about like what I want. And the reason why we want things is because we believe that having them will make us happier. 
We want things because we believe that getting them will somehow fix something that is wrong or improve something that is right. This new moon in Aries, really think about what it is that you want. Are the things that you want really going to bring you happiness? One of the most common things that I've encountered through my work is people ask me the question of, will so-and-so come back to me? Will I ever get to be with so-and-so again? And that question is often the wrong question. What the real question is, is if I got back together with this person, would I be happy? Would it be healthy? Would it be right for me? Would it improve my life? And usually the answer is, hell no, because you want something because you desperately want something, does not mean that it is the right thing to want. And that's your job as a person who's responsible for themselves to really assess, to think about, to put energy into. Because the more clear you are about what you're calling in, the more clear you can be about whether or not you're getting it. Sometimes what I have found is that people get exactly what they want and they're not happy because they're not wanting the right things. So ask yourself these questions. This is a good time for planting seeds. Part of the world that I live in, I know a lot of listeners are listening from New Zealand and Australia, but in the part of the world that I live in, it's springtime. This is an excellent time for thinking about planting seeds, what you're planting, and to start seeing growth. I really want to encourage you to be thinking about your intentions and what seeds you're planting with whatever it is that you're obsessively focusing on or whatever it is you're repetitively doing. Because where we bring our thoughts and feelings repetitively and the actions that we take repetitively are investments, they're energy investments, they're basically what you want. And if what you are expressing that you want with your thoughts and your feelings and your actions is not actually what you want, okay, you can decide to make a change. And that's the beauty of Aries. It's self-fulfilling energy. It's energy that is, I am, I want, I will make it happen. This kind of energizing force is really useful. Now, I want to say, if you're listening to this podcast on the day it comes out or the day after it comes out, you're unlikely to be in the right state to do it because of the Mercury-Neptune transit. So, bide your time. Time is really relevant here. Do this work in its right moment on the 5th or the 6th. That will be great. Now, a lot of people have have written me and asked me about Uranus and Taurus. And I do want to talk to you about Uranus and Taurus today, but I'm going to warn you, it's not an easy conversation. So before before I really unpack it, when we talk about something like Uranus and Taurus or Saturn and Capricorn or whatever, there's a lot of information an astrologer can give you about what a planet is doing in a particular sign, especially an outer planet, because it really does, you know, shape a generation. It shapes society. That said, astrology is all about interconnectedness. It's all about interconnectedness. So Uranus and Taurus on its own, even though I'm going to say a lot of things about it, is not the only thing to pay attention to. It's about understanding that things are happening in concert with each other. Um, Whether it's, you know, a beautiful sound or it's a terrible noise, it's all the planets are working together. So it's important that you understand that the information that I'm sharing with you is only one part of the picture and not the whole picture, right? The whole picture is all the outer planets, what they're doing with each other. I could go on and on and on about ways of of reading about the world. But Uranus is a planet that governs so many things, including autonomy and freedom and technology. Uranus in Taurus, it was in that sign from May 5th through November 6th of 2018. And then it was in Aries for a minute, did its final hurrah in Aries. 
And then on March 6, 2019, it entered back into the sign of Taurus, where it will stay until April 26th of 2026. It is a long transit, my friends. It is a long transit. The last time that Uranus was in Taurus was 1934 through 1941. And before that, it was 1850 through 1859. So in 50 through 59, 1850 through 59, we saw a really big change in society. Keep in mind that this is the period immediately before the American Civil War or the war between states. It's called both things. The Civil War happened in the U.S. between 1861 and 65, and Abraham Lincoln was elected in 1860. The conditions, the social and political conditions that were happening in this last period of Uranus in Taurus lay the foundation for what was to come in the American Civil War. If we want to go back even further, which do we? Do we want to go back even further? But if we want to go back even further, before the 1850s, Uranus was previously in Taurus, 1767 to 1775. And not even two weeks after Uranus left Taurus and entered into Gemini, we had the Revolutionary War, which is also referred to as the American Revolution from 1775 to 1783. So you see that Uranus in Taurus represents a period in which unrest as people demand their social and economic sovereignty is a really strong theme. And part of that unrest is that maybe things get worse. Or maybe we start to really become more empathetic to how bad it is. Now, in the 1930s and 40s, we had World War II, Great Depression. We had some big stuff going on. At that time, we had global security challenged as, you know, the whole world was experiencing threats together in a way that is really quite different than it had been before. The first concentration camp under Nazi Germany, Nazi regime, was in 1933. Officially, World War II didn't actually start until 1939. In this period, terrible things were happening. Human right atrocities, and not just, not just in that part of the world. But terrible things were happening, and that's not when we count World War II having started. And I want to say terrible things are happening here in the U.S. In El Paso, Texas, hundreds of immigrant families, mainly from Central America, are being detained in essentially cages in a parking lot under a bridge because the detention centers are full. Why do I say in cages? Because they're penned in by chain link fences that are topped with razor wire. This is happening in the United States. It's happening in Texas and it's happening legally. Pay attention, my friends. It's happening legally. These conditions are human rights violations. These conditions match the definition of a concentration camp. A concentration camp is a place where large numbers of people are detained or confined under armed guard. The conditions that people are being kept in by the American government are inhumane. They're absolutely inhumane. I think it's really important that we understand, that we keep our eyes open to what is happening legally. So many terrible, awful things that happen in society are legal. I can only hope that our laws change and that we have a shift in power that is for the people. But that only happens when all the people come together and stand up for each other. What we had in the 1930s is happening again. This idea of vilifying certain kinds of people, people who are running from something terrible in hope of being helped. 
When we look at the world and what is happening right now, when we look at the United States and what is happening right now, and it's too painful to look at, so we just look away. What happens is we are on some level consenting to it. We are all implicated in this, my friends. I hate to say that we're all implicated, but fuck, we are all implicated in this. When you don't take any steps to talk about it with people who don't agree with you, to stand up for the most vulnerable amongst us, when you don't take any steps to challenge your own fucked up beliefs and attitudes that you know are fucked up, but you just, it's just painful to look at or talk about. When you don't challenge that stuff, it gets really dangerous, especially in this time of Uranus in Taurus. And the thing that is likely to happen with Uranus and Taurus is that this theme of security, which is Taurian, right? This theme of security gets really threatened and it gets threatened by these sudden upsets happening in society. That's Uranus. And so the risk is security and surveillance for our safety, quote unquote, is implemented by governments. So at first it makes sense. It's like sold to us as something that's keeping us safe, but does it? Does it keep us safe to treat people inhumanely, to take away rights from people? You got to know the answer is no. You got to know the answer is no. And I don't think that there's a simple answer. I'm not trying to suggest that I have the answers or that there is a simple answer because there isn't. This is complicated. However, it is simple to say that forcing people to sleep under a bridge on pebbles without enough food or medical care is quite simply unacceptable. It's unacceptable. With this transit of Uranus and Taurus, you know, we are absolutely likely to see changes in the financial and economic system and sectors, changes to women's rights, changes to how we use technology, anything from facial recognition becoming a kind of normalized part of the way we engage with technology. But what I'm really the most motivated by talking about and thinking about is how the transit of Uranus and Taurus by upsets unexpected and sudden disruptions shows us who we care about and how the value of people and how we allow ourselves to disassociate from the humanity and others when we're scared or when we're too caught up in our own individuality. I am a huge proponent of individuality, big, big lover of it, very American of me. And I don't want to encourage you or me or anyone else to prioritize individuality at the expense of the dignity, sovereignty, safety, and wellness of parts of society. So I want you to prioritize your self-care and your mental health. And I want you to stay a part of this world and to know that you are alive right here, right now for a reason. And you are implicated in what's happening. Not everybody's going to act in a way that is the same as as their neighbors. I'm not encouraging you all to get involved in activism in the most stereotypical ways, but we can all use something like ResistBot, text, email, call our congresspeople to say to them, hey, what's happening is unacceptable. Whether you totally believe in the American democracy or not, they are elected officials. And elected officials, when they hear a lot of constituents saying, boo, boo, no, they will respond. Maybe they won't respond the way you want. Maybe they won't respond quickly, but they will respond. They will have to. When enough people get involved, things do change. And when you sit in your apathy and you say there's no point, well, then you're just letting the people with power persist in doing whatever the hell they're doing. And that is not the answer, my friends. I know this is a little bit of a heavy, a heavy read on it, but it is 
It is my read on it. We have over 12,000 minors and over 13,000 adults in immigration detention centers alone. And that's reported. I don't know if the number's bigger. I'm going to leave you this week with a quote by Naomi Shulman. Nice people made the best Nazis. My mom grew up next to them. They got along, refused to make waves, looked the other way when things got ugly, and focused on happier things than politics. They were lovely people who turned their heads as their neighbors were dragged away. You know who weren't nice people? Resistors. My loves, I know it's a heavy note to land on, but that is what we did on this here, the 40th episode of Ghost of a Podcast. I thank you for joining me. I thank you for doing the work, challenging your thinking, challenging your apathy, challenging whatever it is that needs to be challenged, because this is a challenging time and you are here for a reason. And you know, I love you wherever you're at in your process. If you like this podcast, as per usual, I ask you to subscribe to it and to star it and to do all the things that people do with podcasts. I also want to invite you to send me questions so that I can answer them. I like to help. So go to my website at lovelaniato.com and go to the podcast page. I will talk to you next week and I hope you have a really transformational one. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here, yeah, we're still here.